good morning. Good morning. I love Mike. I've known Mike for over 30 years, and he and our other elders, just elders, just wonderful, wonderful group of men. All right, I'm going to start with a question this morning. I love starting with questions. How many of you use voice to text? How many do you? Yeah. Okay. Do you like using it? Do, do you get a little frustrated, though, when you say something, and then you look, and you're like, that's not what I said. You know, how many times does that happen? Every time, right? And then you got to go back. Have you ever accidentally sent a message that your phone typed, then, and you're like, that is, that is not what I meant to say, but it's too late now. It already sent. You ever, has that ever happened? And sometimes you're like, whoa. Okay, about a year and a half ago, I was on the receiving end of just such a message. It came from Pastor Pete's father, <laughs> Pastor Bernie. Pastor Bernie was in the Congo ministering with his wife there, Kathy. They do amazing work. And uh, so he had meant to send me a text to encourage me because I'd given a message in church that Sunday, and he was sending me a lovely message to encourage me. And, um, but Pastor Pete told me his dad uses voice to text all the time. And sometimes, well, this is the message that I got. I love your message so much for your sexy body of Christ. <laughs> I just wasn't sure what to do. Now, <laughs> Pastor Bernie is a man of integrity. He loves the Lord, and he loves his wife. So I knew right away that this was not the message that he had intended to send to me. So I replied with this. From one pastor to another, I'm not sure how to process your last message. Should I be offended or flattered? I'm not really sure. So as you can imagine, Pastor Bernie, he, he was just mortified. He was extremely apologetic. He's explaining to me that I saw that and I went to change it and I thought I deleted it and it did set anyway. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I just chuckled, I just laughed. Because what he had intended to say, you're probably wondering, right? What did he mean to say? This is what he meant to say. Loved your message. You are such a gift to the body of Christ. That's what he intended to say. So from this point on, we will never speak of this again. Everybody, right? Okay. But the reason I tell you that story is because today we're going to talk about the body of Christ. The body of Christ. But the word that we're going to use to describe the body is, is a little different. We're going to use this one. We're going to talk about the beautiful body. Beautiful body. Now, for some, that, that phrase, body of Christ, you, you know exactly what it's talking about. You're familiar with the scriptures. And for others, it may be like, oh, what, what is this idea of the body of Christ? I've not heard this. So we're going to unpack where this term comes from. And it starts here. As Mike mentioned in his little talk, uh, Jesus, when he was on the planet, he once said this to his followers. He said, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, that word church, when we hear that today, when people hear that word today, it carries all different kinds of meanings and ideas and thoughts that people have. So what we need to do is we need to understand, well, what did Jesus mean when he said church? What was Jesus talking about? And the New Testament scriptures, they were all written in Greek because that was the common language of the Mediterranean world in the first century. So when we look back at the original Greek word that was used, it's this word. It's the word ekklesia. And ekklesia means the called out community. So when Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, he's talking about a group of people who have been called out. 
So the logical question then is, who are these people and, and, and how are they being called? With the Apostle Paul, writer of 13 books in the New Testament, he answers that question for us in his letter to the believers who were living uh, in the city of Thessalonica. And he says this, he says, he, he's talking about Jesus, so Jesus called you to salvation when we, meaning Paul and his companions, his co-workers, when we told you the good news. So Jesus was calling these people by means of Paul telling them the good news or what we will often call the gospel message. It's the good news that Christ, our creator, loves us so much that he died on a cross to save us from our sins. And through his crucifixion and his resurrection, we have now seen that the all-powerful, the almighty God of the universe is always governed by sacrificial love. And then we learn this from the Apostle Paul in his letter to Timothy. We learn that God wants everyone to be saved and to fully understand the truth, this truth, the good news truth. He wants everyone. That's the heart of God, his desire. God's desire is for all people to respond to this good news message by returning to him and putting their trust in him, choosing to follow him fully, freely, and forever. His desire isn't just to enter into some kind of contractual agreement with us, you know, sign here, do this, say this prayer, and then you get to go to heaven. No, he wants to restore a relationship with us, a relationship that is broken by sin but is restored when we return to him and trust. So every time, every single time a person hears, anyone hears this good news message, they are personally being called by Jesus to come back to him to trust him, and to enter into this relationship that they were created for. We were created by Christ and for Christ and meant to be with Christ forever. Now, the apostle Peter, he adds something to this, this idea, uh, this understanding of our calling out. He says, he, again, Jesus, Jesus called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. You see, folks, apart from Christ, we are all in darkness. Our reasoning and our decision-making, they are in darkness. We don't know or understand who we are. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what our real purpose is. We don't know what the future holds. And because we don't know or understand these life-governing principles, then we are just driven merely by the fear of death, ultimately. We, we are driven merely by our senses. We're sense-governed. And we live a self-centered way of life self-preservation protect myself self-gratification get some pleasure while i'm on this planet which scripture refers to as sin but when we respond to the good news message of christ then then we're called out of this darkened way of thinking and living and, and into his wonderful light the light of truth the truth that shows us who we are and whose we are and how it is that we've been designed to live so everyone, everyone who responds to this calling from Christ our creator, they become part of the ecclesia, the called out community, the church that Jesus is now building on planet earth. So really important question for us to pause and ask, and it's a very personal question, is what about each of us? Have you responded to his calling personally? responded 
Because you see, whether today is the first time that you've heard you're hearing this gospel message or it's the 100th time, Jesus is calling you to come back to him into a relationship that's built on trust. He's calling you once again today. Have you responded? Will you respond? Now that's what Jesus was talking about when he said that he would build his church. So we said today we're going to talk about the body of Christ, the beautiful body. So what's this connection with this church Jesus is building and this, this body of Christ, this beauty, beautiful body? Well, in his letter to the Colossian believers, the apostle Paul said this. I'm going to read it to you in a second, but I want to take a drink of water first. All right, he said this. He said, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven on earth. When we look about the amazing creation in our world, in our universe, scripture says Christ is the creator. And then it says this about Christ. He is the head of the church, which is his body. You see, this called out community, the church, it's also called in scripture, the body of Christ. And that's because about 2,000 years ago, Christ gave up his physical body on a cross in order to rescue us from our sins by demonstrating the sacrificial love of our God. But his physical body is still on planet Earth today in the form of his church, his ecclesia, all those who have and are responding to his calling to return to him and trust. We, we, the church that Jesus is building, we are the physical body of Christ on planet Earth today. Physical body. Now, to me, this is, this is like a very, very powerful image. And, and I think it's what makes it so powerful is that it clearly communicates to us the nature of the church. Again, people have all these different ideas and all, but, but this image, it, it shows us, it expresses to us, the church is not a business. The church is not an institution. The church is not an organization. The church is an organism. It is living. It is breathing. It is heart beating. It is an organism. And that's why I asked Pastor Pete, you know, can we sing today, The Church is Alive? I just love that song. Does anybody else love that song? I love it. The church is alive. Hope erupting, darkness shaking, heartbeat racing, joy overflowing, passion burning, vision growing. This is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. This is what it feels like because the church that Jesus building is alive. Isn't it, church? It's alive. I love that song. We are not an organization. We are an organism with a heartbeat. And that's why it is vitally important that you and I, that we do this. We grasp the, pers the purpose and the potential of the body of Christ. You see, because every local church is an expression of the body of Christ, then it's his desire, naturally, that he, he would want every local expression of his body to be healthy, and he'd want it to be beautiful because we're representing him. And unfortunately, we, we probably can all tell stories that that can't be said of every single church, can it? I mean, there are some healthy churches and some not so healthy. And there are, some are beautiful and some could use a makeover, right? And I'm not talking about the physical building. One of the things that I really enjoy doing whenever I go on vacation, when I can, I love visiting other churches. I just love to go in and be blessed, but then also see how they do things and learn things that I can bring back here to FCF. So I, I've been to churches where, you know, I walk away and go, oh, that was nice. 
And then there have been other times when I walk away and I'm like, wow, that was amazing. So let's just use our imaginations here for a moment, okay? Let's use our imaginations, and we're going to visit a couple churches. So let's, we're going to first visit Church A. All right, got your imagination in gear? Here we go. You arrive, and it's a big church, big parking lot. So, so you go and you park your car, and you're kind of way far away, and the building is so big you have no idea where the main auditorium, you know, the main doors. It's like, how do I even go into the church? I, I, I'm not sure. And so you kind of wander around the parking lot, and you eventually see someone who appears to look like they know what they're doing, so, so you follow them in. You get inside, and again, you just, you, I don't know. What do I do? Where do I go? How does this all work? I, I have no idea where anything is. And, and you have your child with you, and so you want to, you'd love for them to experience the classroom and so forth, and, but you don't know what to do. Finally, this woman wearing like an official-looking lanyard, she saunters up to you, and she's got a cup of coffee, and she kind of looks like she's in a bar. She's like, <laughs> you must be new because you got that deer-in-the-headlight look. Yeah, I'm new. Can you help me? And so explain, you know, where you're trying to find the class. And so she just says, oh, just go down that hallway down there, read the signs, and you'll figure it out. So you go down the hallway, find your child's classroom, and as you get there, the workers, well, they're talking to each other, so they don't even notice you. Finally get their attention, and you hesitantly leave your child with them because your child's a real extrovert and loves to play, so they're okay with it. So then you ask, well, how do I get back to the main auditorium? And same answer, oh, you're just going down that hall, go down there and take a ride, and it's down that way. Service has started once you find the auditorium, and, uh, but there's no one to help you, so in the dark you find yourself a seat. Now the service is great. The music is awesome. The pastor gives this really great message. But man, everything leading up to that point would it not make you feel uncomfortable? Would you not maybe feel a little bit of frustration and irritation? Maybe you, you feel a little bit of anxiousness, you know? Would it not cause you to feel like you don't really matter? The scenario that I'm giving you here, it's almost exactly the experience that I had many years ago at a church in Ohio when I was visiting a friend. E even the woman, she sauntered up. Like she was in a bar carrying her glass, her cup, and just like, you got that deer in the headlights look. <laughs> We're like, wow, that was our welcome. So let's imagine Church B now. Let's visit Church B. Church B has signs in the parking lot to point you to special VIP parking. And then as soon as you get out of your car, there, there's someone there with this official lanyard that they assist you and your children right away. And they're really, they're smiling and they're personable and they're warm and they're friendly. They introduce themselves, ask you your name. And then as you enter the facility, they just start pointing everything out to you. Now, there's the bathrooms. Over there, that's the auditorium where you're going to go. And there's the free coffee. You're going to want to check that out, right? And then they help you check in your child, and they walk you to the classroom. You get to the classroom, and the volunteer, though, is just genuinely excited to meet you and your child. They assure you that your, your child's going to have fun. They're going to be safe. And if they need you at all, they'll text you on your phone. And then that original volunteer walks you to the auditorium, takes you in, and helps you find a seat. Now, throughout this VIP treatment, though, you're experiencing, you notice something else. And what you notice is that the person helping you isn't the only nice person. 
all around, there are all these volunteers who are smiling and they're warm and they're friendly and they're welcoming. And it's like they're just looking for how they can help and who they can help. They just, they have this eagerness about them and this enthusiasm. And then as you, you watch them and you look at the facility too, you're like, man, just, this is done with excellence. Everything here, you can see that the attention has been given to the detail. And you're like, wow. So the entire experience before the worship music and the message, it was easy. You felt relaxed. You felt comfortable. It was enjoyable, and it was even impressive. So as a result, you felt noticed. You felt important. You felt like you mattered. Like the people genuinely cared and were glad that you were there that day. This is a very similar to a scenario that's very similar to an experience I just had when I visited Kentucky with some friends a few weeks ago. Now, which church would you call beautiful? Which one would you call beautiful? You see, Jesus' desire for everyone who's showing up to any local church isn't just that they hear good music and a good message. That's important, and Jesus wants that. But his desire and our purpose is that people would meet and encounter him in a very up-close and personal way through his body, his beautiful body. You see, people can meet Jesus through worship music, and they, they can meet Jesus through a, a message. But Jesus, he wants people to meet him before those things happen on a Sunday. And if people are not meeting Jesus through us from the moment they enter our doors, then they we have not fulfilled our purpose and we are not reaching our potential as his body. There's a pastor many years ago who said this, powerful words. He said, there is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Just nothing compares to it. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking and its potential is unlimited. And what, is, what do you think is at the heart of this beauty that's indescribable, this beauty that becomes just like a magnet that draws people. What is it? Well, I think the secret is this. I think it's the togetherness. The togetherness. You see, I, I think it's the community effort. It's not just one person being helpful. It's when a whole community of people together see themselves as servants and want to help. It's when a whole community of people together are genuinely warm and friendly and caring and welcoming. It's when a whole community of people together are enthusiastic and they're eager and they're excited. That's when the church's beauty is indescribable. That's when the church's power is breathtaking and its potential is unlimited because together, together, we are the beautiful body of Christ. Listen to the Apostle Paul's words in the, uh, his letter to the Ephesians. He says, we, we, here's the community effort, the togetherness, we will lovingly follow the truth at all times, become more and more in every way like Christ who is the head of his body, the church, under his direction, the whole body, it's fitted together perfectly, and each part in it, in its own special way, helps the other parts, togetherness, so that the whole body is what is healthy and it's growing and it's full of love you see it's in our togetherness that we are healthy it's in our togetherness that we are growing it's in our togetherness that we are full of, of love that we are beautiful 
it's in our togetherness that we are more fully able to express the heart of our loving God and creator, the Lord Jesus. It's all in our togetherness. So, so the question is, how does this togetherness happen? Is it, is it just something that just kind of happens, just by accident? You know, there's no, just happens? No, of course not. Our, our God, he, he's not a God who does things by accident. His ways are always intentional and purposeful. So let's look more uh, deeply at Paul's explanation of the body of Christ and what he says. He gives us again this illustration. The church is the body of Christ. So let's look at a human body and think about that. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. Makes sense, right? I have one body, but it's made up of many parts. Some of them you can see, sometimes some of them are internal. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Then he goes on. He says, so it is with Christ. All of you together, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Together and each. You see, together we are the body of Christ expressing the heart of our God in this beautiful togetherness is created by each one by each one there's no togetherness without each one doing their part fulfilling their role a little trip I took to Kentucky I said a few weeks ago with some friends uh, we did all kinds of fun stuff and one of the things we did was one evening we went to a murder mystery dinner it was in the Kentucky castle so it was really cool and we weren't really sure what to expect, though. Um, our assumption was more like a dinner theater. We thought that we would enjoy a good meal while we observed some kind of play acting thing, and then we would guess, you know, who committed the crime or whatever. And, and one friend, she was really adamant as we're walking up to the Kentucky Castle. She's like, all right, we're going to make a pact, you guys. We're making a pact. No one volunteers anyone. It was her birthday, so she was a little bit worried, you know, she might get voluntold for something. And uh, so she's like, nobody volunteers, right? You know, we would just get in, get fed, stay quiet, and go unnoticed. Just enjoy the evening. That was the plan. We're like, okay, okay, pact made. As it turned out, the entire event was something very different. It was a participatory thing. There was no stage. The actors came around to your table, and they interacted with you. They conversed with you, and they, in their conversations, they dropped clues. And your job, as you said at the table eating, was to ask them questions. So the funny thing is that the friend who said, we're making a pact, she asked the most questions. <laughs> and she figured out the murder, what, was it, what it was all about. And I tell you that because some people have this same approach when it comes to church. You know, it's, I just want to show up. I want to just observe, get fed, stay quiet. I don't have to participate in any way. And that's okay when you're new to a church. You're checking things out. And that's okay when you're going through an extraordinarily painful season in life. And you just need to be taken care of. Absolutely. But folks, it is not God's plan for us that we would continue to simply observe, get fed, stay quiet, Stay loose, you know. Once you and I have responded to God's call by putting our trust in Jesus and becoming his follower, then we are a part of the body of Christ. Whether we want to be or not, we are. Participation is not 
optional. It just isn't. So the beautiful togetherness of the body of Christ, it develops only as, this togetherness develops only as each one of us discovers and fulfills our part in the body of Christ. It calls for each one of us. I want to give you a glimpse. Let's look at a, another little church experience, but I want to give you a glimpse of what this beautiful togetherness that's created by each one doing their part, how, what it looks like here on a Sunday morning at FCF. Just a little glimpse. You see, when a guest arrives for the first time on Sunday and they see just the stunningly beautiful campus that God has entrusted to us, that God has given to us, I mean, isn't it beautiful? We have like 130 acres, folks, and we don't pay for anyone to mow. That, that's done by teams of people, and it's stunningly beautiful in our facility and all. That's because of volunteers, and we've got probably 70 volunteers who serve on one of our many teams that in some way care for this facility. We've got teams during the week that do mowing and landscaping. We've got teams that are doing painting and construction of all sorts. Pastor Pete always has a project. Let's take down that wall. Let's put up a wall over there. I mean, always. He drives them crazy. It's, but it's awesome. Don't you walk in on Sunday and go, wow, where'd that wall go? It's beautiful, you know? And then we have teams of people on Sunday morning who are coming in. They're cleaning the glass and checking the bathrooms. And, and so everything just to make our facility look beautiful inside there when, when a guest comes inside then they're greeted well, outside and inside they're greeted and we have all these different teams of just warm and friendly people they're in the lobby uh, at our first time guest counter to assist people our store our coffee bar god bless the coffee bar people right don't you all know and and that's about some 120 people they're doing whatever they can to just you know, have that first connection with people coming through the door. And they make up our teams that we call guest services. And then someone takes their child back to, to our classroom area where we have our nurseries, our early childhood, and then our kids' classrooms. You're talking about another 150 people that are serving our children, teaching our children, caring for our children. It's beautiful. And then when someone comes in here and they experience the actual service here in the auditorium, the worship music and the message, it's because there's like another hundred or more volunteers that serve on the various teams that make things happen in here. All, all kinds of stuff that you don't even realize. And all of this is just the Sunday morning experience. I mean, we have teams of people that serve then through the week in care ministry and marriage ministry and groups ministry and all kinds of other stuff. This beautiful uh, togetherness is created by each one each one we need to get real clear on this there is no togetherness without each one doing their part fulfilling their role each one so let's just go through and let's just unpack this each one necessity Okay, four, four little points I, I want to make. It starts with this. It starts as each one of us embraces our design. You see, the very first book of the Bible, it, it, it's so important what, they say, it's, it, what it says in the first chapter about human beings. Get this one down. God created human beings. You and me, we are created in his own image. We have been created with the tremendous capacity to think like God thinks, to feel like God feels, to live like God lives, and to love like God loves. 
How does God think, feel, live, and love? Well, Jesus came to show us just that. Just read the Gospels, and we'll know. But in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus told his followers this. He said, do as I do. You know, live as I live. Well, what is that? The Son of Man, a name given to Jesus, did not come for people to serve him. What? But, but he's the creator. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Why did he come then? He came to serve others. He came to serve others. You see, God designed you and I to think, feel, live, and love like servants, helping others, putting others' needs first, caring for others always. Embracing our servant design, it's the beginning of character development in us. It's how we become more and more like Christ our creator. You see, through serving, it's through that experience that we become kind and good and patient and faithful and gentle and loving people, the people we were created to be. This beautiful togetherness, it develops as each one of us shifts our thinking. Instead of thinking about serving the way the world does, we're going to think about it from God's perspective, our creator's perspective. And in the book of Acts, we find this. It says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And what did the Lord Jesus say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I love how the message paraphrases it. You're far happier giving than you are getting. A couple weeks ago, I had dinner with a good friend of mine and I was telling her that I was working on a message on serving and without me asking anything she just launched into how much she loves serving at the first time guest counter where she's able to assist and help new people and she literally said these words she said this is my place this is my place this is where I'm meant to be that's how passionate she felt about it and then she went on to say, she says, I think the problem is that people tend to think that serving takes something from you. You know, it's going to take your time and, and take your energy. And she says, they don't realize that you get a whole lot more than you give. You get a whole lot more than you give. She says that you are the one who's blessed. I love that. In John's Gospel, Jesus is recorded as saying, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, the world today, it, it causes us to think that life to the full, it means, you know, full life, get more stuff. You know, bigger, better, newer, nicer, more stuff, more money, more experiences in life. But folks, real life to the full, it's an inside experience. It's an inside thing, and it comes not from getting but from giving, from giving our time, from giving our energy, giving ourselves to fulfill our part in the beautiful body of Christ. Just ask my friend Pam. She'll tell you. This beautiful togetherness, it develops as each one of us realizes what it is we possess, what is in our possession. Again, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians he says, for we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works. So our purpose, again, is to serve, to do good works. That's what we're created for. We're made in his image. But then he says this, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. We're not only designed to serve. God has already planned and prepared 
good works for each one of us that we should walk in them. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, God has a set of good works for you, for you, for you. He's got a set of good works for me. I can't do your good works for you, and you can't do your good works for mine. They were planned for me. They were planned for you. We each possess our own set of good works that God has prepared for each one of us to walk in in this life. Along with this personal set of good works, we have something else. It says that that in, in Corinthians, it says, the Spirit has given each of us a special way of serving others. So we're all meant to serve, but each one's been given a special way to do that. Fascinating. And in Peter, it says, each of you has received a gift in order to do what? What's the gift for? To serve others. So you should use it faithfully. So these verses are, are talking about something that the New Testament talks about at, at length, spiritual gifts, something called spiritual gifts. Once a person has responded to God's call and put their trust in Christ, then they are given one or more of these spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit determines who gets what gifts. There are things like the gift of teaching, the gift of helps, mercy, leadership, just to name a few of them. And then the purpose of these gifts, again, it's not for our own benefit, but it's for the benefit of the church that Jesus is building to make it beautiful, to make it beautiful. Look at these words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians again. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. These are just some of the gifts, and these are what we would call gifts that are given for, for a leadership type of role. The apostles, prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers. And then their role is this. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and do what? Build up the church, the body of Christ. It's to build up the church, to make it beautiful. People often ask me how they can find out what their spiritual gifts are. And uh, there are assessments you can take to help you discover your spiritual gifts. But I got two things to say about those, okay? First, according to Google, the first spiritual gift assessment was created around 1975. So apparently up until then, followers of Christ somehow could serve without knowing what their spiritual gift was. Fascinating, right? Second is this. Spiritual gifts don't tell you where to serve. They're not going to help you with that. You see, every spiritual gift is needed in every single ministry area. The gift of leadership, the gift of wisdom, the gift of helps, the gift of mercy. Every ministry area in the church needs people with those gifts in them, you know, those give, who have been given those gifts. So my advice, then, when it comes to spiritual gifts, if you want to discover your spiritual gifts, this is, the, this is deep stuff right here. But this is how you discover your spiritual gifts. Just do stuff. (laughs) Just go go do stuff. That's what I did. Just start serving. You see, we don't need to discover our spiritual gifts before we start serving. It's as we serve that we will discover the gifts God has given us. We just start serving. And man, things come alive in us. Dormant capacities that were dormant come alive and we start to learn things about ourselves that we didn't even know. Skills that we have or skills that we can develop or passion that we have that we didn't know. And then God starts to move us till he gets us to that sweet spot to, to, to where you're like my friend Pam and she's like, my place. 
First time guest counter. That's where I'm meant to be. And that's what God will do for each one of us. The main thing for us today is that we realize that as follower, followers of Christ, we are in possession of some things, some really important things. We are each in possession of good works that God has prepared in advance for us to walk in, for me to walk in. And we are in possession of spiritual gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit. So the big question, what am I doing with what's been given to me? What am I doing with it? And that leads us to this fourth and final point. As each one fulfills their role and function, I think the Lord wants us to remember our reward. Remember our reward. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul says, Remember that the Lord will reward. Will. Not that he might. He will reward each one of us for the good we do. It's a promise. Jesus told this parable while he was on the earth, and it, and it was all about reward in God's kingdom to come. It's called the parable of the talents, okay? So Jesus was teaching that all that we have been given to us by a good and a loving father, all of it, our, our time, our talents, our treasures, it's given as an entrustment. It belongs to him, and he's entrusted it to us. So that means he... He, his desire is for us to use and invest these things, our time, our talent, our treasures, during this life the way that God, the giver, would want these invested for his greater plans and purposes in our lives. So in this parable to the servant that was faithful with all that had been entrusted with him, the master said this. He said, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, so I am going to put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. So through this parable, Jesus was telling his followers then, and he's telling us now that what we do with our time, what we do with our talent and skills, what we do with our treasure throughout our lives, it matters. It really matters. And that if we are faithful to invest ourselves and fulfill our role in the beautiful body of Christ, we're going to be rewarded, folks. We will be, as a matter of fact, the reward will be disproportionate. Because he, he, what did he say? He says, you are faithful a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. A disproportionate reward. I'm going to put you in charge of many things in my kingdom to come, the life to come. Now, we don't, serve in order to get a reward but man how energizing how motivating it can be to anticipate can you again use your imaginations anticipate standing in the presence of christ your creator one day having him just like look you right in the eye hand on your shoulder and he says son daughter well done well done if you're a follower of christ does it get any better than that can it get any better? Well done. When I returned from uh, this, that little trip to Kentucky, I took, there was a package from Amazon waiting for me at my door. I was surprised there was only one because I can't keep track of all that order. Anybody else? Okay. But the package was from my Aunt Wanda. She had sent me a birthday present. Now, just in case 
you've never met Aunt Wanda. I have talked about her. Aunt Wanda is 87 years old, and she lives in Las Vegas. She uh, was my mom's twin sister, and Aunt Wanda never had children of her own, so we just always, we have a very, very close relationship, very close. And um, this is not an old picture. Again, I said she's 87, but she was just at a Halloween party last week and sent me this picture, Halloween party at the neighbor's house. So that just gives you a little background, okay? But um, what she got me for my birthday was this. It's uh, an intelligent pulse abdomen device. <laughs> so apparently, there's these little things in there that you like stick across your stomach and, and then somehow these little electrode thingies and then you, you turn it on and uh, you're just going to look like that. That's all, that's all you got to do. Like, wow, this is awesome, right? Apparently do nothing and get a beautiful body. I love that. Makes it easy. I did look it up. I Googled it, and, uh, and I did read this. There is no evidence that a muscle stimulator can substantially change a person's body without exercise. Ugh, darn. So I guess if I want a beautiful body, I'm going to have to work out. And the same is true for the body of Christ. For a local church to be a healthy and beautiful expression of the body of Christ, it requires that each one of us works out. It takes each one of us doing our part because Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he's the Savior, and each one of you is a part of it each one. If you call FCF Church your home, but you're not yet full, fulfilling your role in the beautiful body of Christ, our hope, if you haven't figured it out yet today, is that you would just take the incredible step of faith today to discover your part in the body of Christ. At your seat, I'm sure you've seen, there's a listing of just our Sunday morning teams uh, that I described earlier, and we would absolutely love to have you explore any of these opportunities that interest you. If you just fill that out, drop it in the basket, we'll just, you, you can check off any that interest you, and we'll just start the conversation with you and see, you know, what you feel like would be a good fit for you. For those of you who are already doing your part and you're serving in the body of Christ, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Our hope today is that you have a, a bigger, expanded picture of what you're doing. That it's just not coming in on Sunday morning serving, but man, I'm helping to make Jesus' body beautiful week in and week out. And we hope that just today you've been encouraged, you've been strength, strengthened, and, and perhaps even re-energized by the reminder today of how significant each one is in the body of Christ. And if today happened to be your first time here at SCF Church, man, our hope and our prayer is that you have met and encountered Jesus Christ, your creator, the lover of your soul, in a very personal and powerful way today through us. A church that just wants to be beautiful, trying our best. We haven't gotten there yet, but man, we're doing our best. And we hope week in and week out, we get more and more beautiful for him, his beautiful body.
because there's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking, and its potential is unlimited. Unlimited. Let's pray, church. God, how much we just thank you for the church that you are building on planet Earth and that we get to be part of it. Lord, our desire so much is to be a beautiful body, expressing your heart and your truth to our community. Lord, I pray that every person here just steps into their each one part and receives the blessing from doing that. And again, may we just become more and more your beautiful body here to our community. In Jesus' name.